Hi. Welcome to the Myths and History of Ancient Greece. Chapter 2. Clash of the Titans. Last week, we saw Zeus rescue his brothers and sisters from the clutches of their father. After years of being imprisoned inside Kronos, Poseidon, Hades, Hera, Demeter and Hestia were free to roam the heavens. They were also very far from pleased. It was time to make the prophecy come true and overthrow Kronos and the Titans. The battle lines were drawn. Zeus led the children of Kronos against their father and the other Titans. The Titans, though, were not united against them. Of the original Titans, only four chose to fight alongside Kronos. None of the female Titans would enter the battle, and Okeanos was frightened of the power of Zeus and chose not to take part. Many of the other Titans, the children of the original twelve, fought with Kronos, but a few of them, including Helios, refused to join in. One of them went even further. Prometheus had been given the gift of seeing into the future, and he saw that Zeus and his brothers and sisters were going to win the war. He fought on the side of Zeus against Kronos, and persuaded his brother Epimetheus to do the same. This meant that Prometheus and Epimetheus were fighting against their own father, Iapetus, and their other two brothers. The battle raged for ten years. The gods chose Mount Olympus as their base, and set up fortifications. The Titans chose Mount Orthus. It was a bit of an odd battle, since all of the fighters on both sides were immortal. Fighting a battle against enemies who cannot be killed is a bit of a problem. When nobody on either side can be killed, the situation would seem to be impossible. How can it ever end? Both sides knew something would have to change if the war was ever going to be won. The Titans got fed up with Kronos and replaced him as leader with the mighty Atlas, son of Iapetus. Zeus decided he needed some advice, so he went to see Gaia to ask for some help. Gaia told him he would be victorious if he released her other children from Tartarus and unleashed them on the Titans. Zeus took the advice, and the hundred-handers and cyclops were set free. Not surprisingly, they were mightily annoyed they had been imprisoned by Kronos, and they enthusiastically agreed to help the gods. Zeus fed them the food and drink of the gods, ambrosia and nectar, to give them strength. OK, so what have we got now? On one side, we have a group of giant immortals, and on the other side, we have six immortals, three very annoyed immortal giants with fifty heads and a hundred hands each, and three very annoyed immortal giants with a single eye. Whatever is about to happen, it's probably not going to be pretty. The Cyclops gave the gods more than just their help in fighting the battle. They had gifts, weapons of amazing power which the gods could use to defeat their enemies. To Zeus they gave thunder and lightning, and Zeus became known for his use of the lightning bolt. To Poseidon they gave a mighty trident, and to Hades they gave the helmet of darkness which would make its wearer invisible. The three brothers held a war council, and at last, the final battle began. The hundred-handed giants attacked the titans with massive boulders, which were hurled three hundred at a time, one from each of their mighty arms. The clashes of the warriors were so fierce that the sound of their fighting made the earth rumble, the sea swell, and the heavens shake. Even the depths of Tartarus rang with the fury of the fighting and the crash of the missiles. Zeus attacked with all his strength. He threw lightning bolt after lightning bolt at the titans, who were driven backward. The thunder flew from his hands and shook the earth. The lightning burned the forests of the earth and the seas became hot. The battle turned. As Zeus attacked, Hades slipped on the helmet of darkness and crept into the titans' camp. He stole their weapons, and Poseidon, 
following his brother into the camp, attacked Cronos with his trident. Cronos was immortal, but the attack distracted him, and Zeus threw even more devastating lightning bolts. The Titans were blinded, and finally defeated. The mighty Zeus had won. The Titans who opposed him were punished by being banished to Tartarus. The Hundred Handers were given the job of guarding them. Nothing much is heard about the defeated Titans after this, although it is said that Iapetus and Cronos sit together forever in the gloomy dark, far from the delights of the sun and the winds. Some versions of the myth say that Cronos was released and ruled over the island of the Blessed, also known as the Elysian Fields, a place close to the underworld where some humans were allowed to dwell in ease after their deaths. The supporters of Zeus were, of course, rewarded well. The Titans who had not supported Cronos in the war were left in peace, and Zeus even had a few children with a couple of them. The Cyclops were allowed to remain free and continued to make lightning bolts for Zeus. The gods made their home on Mount Olympus, from where they ruled the heavens and the earth. Of the defeated Titans, only Atlas was not imprisoned forever in Tartarus. No, Atlas suffered an even worse fate. He was condemned to hold up the world and sky for eternity. The Greek poet Hesiod tells us, He stands immovably, upholding the broad heaven on his head and his hands that never find rest. This really doesn't sound like too much fun, does it? Before he was made to hold up the world, though, Atlas had many children. With one of the Oceanids, he had a son called Hyas, and daughters called the Hyades. With another of the Oceanids, he had seven daughters, known as the Pleiades. Six of the Pleiades had children with gods. Most importantly, the Pleiad Maia gave birth to the god Hermes, whose father was Zeus himself. The seventh Pleiad, Merope, married a mortal. All of the children of Atlas came to tragic ends. Hyas was killed while hunting, and the poor Hyades all died from grief at the death of their brother. The Pleiades, not to be outdone, then died of grief at the death of the Hyades. Zeus took pity on them all, and allowed them to live on as stars in the night sky. The Pleiades and the Hyades are both star clusters in the constellation Taurus. One of the seven Pleiades is fainter than the rest, and it is said that this is Merope, who is hiding in shame for marrying a mortal. Following the Pleiades around the sky is the great hunter Orion. Although it will be a long time before he is born, we will tell his short story now. Orion was the son of Poseidon, and was the greatest hunter ever known. He had been promised the daughter of the king of the island of Chios in marriage, if he rid the island of wild beast. He succeeded, but the king went back on the deal and had Orion blinded. Helios eventually restored his sight, and he became a great hunter again boasting there was no animal he couldn't kill. Gaia was angry with his boasting and sent a giant scorpion, which stung Orion to death. Zeus raised Orion to the heavens, where he follows the Pleiades, who he loved while he was alive around the sky. Orion is joined in the sky by a pair of hunting dogs and is hunting a celestial hare. The scorpion which killed the great hunter was also placed in the sky. It is right on the other side of the heavens, as far away from Orion as possible. With the Titans out of the way, Zeus was now Lord of the Universe. All that remained was to decide which of the three brothers would rule in each of the three domains. In the end, the three names were put into a helmet and drawn to see who would rule over the sky and heavens, who would rule over the sea, and who would rule over the underworld. The names were drawn out. Zeus became ruler of the sky, Poseidon of the sea, and Hades of the underworld. The gods agreed that Mount Olympus would be ruled by all of them, and not just by one. 
Mount Olympus became home to the greatest of the gods, and we will meet them all in the next couple of chapters. They became known as the Olympians. In the next chapter, we will meet Poseidon, Hades and their sisters properly, and find out a little more about them. From now, though, let us get to know the king of the gods. Zeus had many wives and many, many children. First he married Metis, one of the Oceanids, and she became pregnant with a daughter. Uranus and Gaia told Zeus that once she had given birth to the daughter, she would also have a son, and this son would overthrow the king. Zeus, of course, was not going to let all the hard work he had put into defeating the Titans go to waste, so he decided he wasn't going to let the daughter be born. He chose the Kronos method of prevention and swallowed Metis whole. The daughter, though, arrived anyway. When it was time, the god Hephaestus, who we will meet soon, split Zeus's head open with an axe, and the daughter, fully grown and armed, leapt out. This daughter of Zeus was the goddess Athena. Zeus's next wife was the titan Themis. From this marriage, the Hori, or Seasons, were born. Next, the king married Eurynome, one of the Oceanids. The Graces, three minor goddesses of beauty, charm and grace, were children of this marriage. Zeus then married Demeter. The only child of this marriage was Persephone, who we will meet in the next chapter. After Demeter came Nemesine, who, as we know, gave birth to the Nine Muses. His sixth wife was the titan Leto, daughter of the titans Koyos and Phoebe. The children of this marriage were the great gods Apollo and Artemis. Last, and definitely not least, Zeus married Hera. They remained married forever, although Zeus had more girlfriends and many more children, all of which made Hera, quite understandably, jealous and angry. The children of Zeus and Hera were the gods Ares, Aletheia and Hebe, while Hera had another son, who we've already met, called Hephaestus. We will meet a lot more of the children of Zeus as we explore the mythology of ancient Greece, but let's introduce a couple of the important ones now, even though one of them does not arrive on Olympus for quite a while. With the Pleiad Maia, Zeus had the great god Hermes, and much later, Zeus became the father of Dionysus, whose mother was a mortal called Semele. It seemed that Zeus was now all-powerful. He had defeated the Titans and ruled over the heavens. All, though, was not yet over. Gaia had become angry with Zeus for imprisoning the Titans, so she sent her last son to give him a good kicking. He was the most terrifying and deadly of all the mythological creatures. His name was Typhon, and he was known as the father of all monsters. His wife was Echidna, who, as we have heard, was pretty terrifying herself. Titan had on his shoulders a hundred fearsome snake heads, which had fire in their eyes and black flickering tongues. They were able to make any sound imaginable. One minute, one of the heads would roar like a lion or howl like a pack of wolves. The next, another would make a rumble like an earthquake. Typhon was bigger than a mountain. He had wings, his lower body was a mass of coiled serpents, and he breathed fire. He was, quite clearly, very, very scary indeed. Now you might think that even good old Zeus might have a bit of trouble with a monster like this. And you'd be right. When the Olympians saw Typhon approaching, they fled to Egypt and turned themselves into various animals. Apollo became a hawk, Hera an ox, Aphrodite a fish, and so on. Zeus tried to attack Typhon from great distance with his thunder and lightning bolts, and then up close with a sickle. But Typhon enveloped him in his coils. He snatched the sickle and cut the sinew out of Zeus's hands and feet, so he couldn't walk or hold anything. Typhon hid the sinew 
and threw Zeus into a cave. All was not lost, though. Hermes and the goat god known as Pan managed to sneak in and steal the sinews back from the monster. They gave them back to Zeus and refitted them into his hands and feet. He resumed his thunderbolt attack while Typhon was weakened by a trick played on him by the fates. Eventually the monster was wounded and Zeus seized his opportunity. He picked up Mount Etna and hurled it at Typhon, burying him forever. It is said that Etna, which is a volcano, is Typhon pouring out his anger as he tries to escape. It is from Typhon that we get the word typhoon, meaning a violent tropical storm. The Olympians then defeated the last of the children of Gaia, known as the Giants. At last they reigned supreme. The gods took Mount Olympus as their home and settled down to lord over everything. Olympus was a wonderful place. The gods lived in beautiful vast houses and had a view down to the earth so they could watch anything that was happening. They ate ambrosia and drank nectar and generally had a pretty good time. There was a gate of clouds through which the gods could leave their home and travel down to interfere in the lives of the humans, which, as we will see, they often did. Only Hades spent little time in Olympus, as he dwelt in the underworld, looking after the souls of the dead. All the gods needed now were humans to lord it over. It is said that during the time of Kronos there was a golden race of men who lived like gods, but they soon passed on to roam the world as spirits who protected the mortals from harm. In their place rose the race of silver, who were foolish and didn't worship the gods properly. By this time Zeus had taken over, and he destroyed the silver race and replaced them with the bronze race, made of ash trees. The bronze race, though, were aggressive and warlike, and soon wiped themselves out in senseless fighting. Zeus then created a fourth race, called the race of heroes. Many of these men will play a big part in our story. Finally there came the race of iron, who were men like you and me. Together these races are called the five races of man. All of them were mortal. The mortals often ate with the gods. The titan Prometheus, who had fought alongside the Olympians against the other titans, had the job of dividing up the food. One day he had to divide up a great ox, and so he put the meat into two piles. The first pile contained the best and most tender meat, but Prometheus hid this below some nasty bits of ox stomach. The next pile contained a big pile of old bones, which was hidden by a layer of tasty-looking meat. Zeus, as king of the gods, chose which pile the gods should eat, and he chose the pile of bones which Prometheus had cunningly hidden. From that day on, men always took the nice meat from sacrifices and burned the bones as an offering to the gods. When Zeus found out he'd got the bones, he was not happy at all, and he punished mankind by taking away the gift of fire. Prometheus, who seemed always to be on the opposite side of an argument to the one you would expect, stole fire back from Zeus and returned it to man. Upsetting Zeus is a bad plan. Prometheus had already got away with it once when he played the trick with the meat, but he wasn't getting away from it this time. Before he dealt with the titan, though, Zeus decided to give man a gift, and so he decreed the creation of woman. The first woman was called Pandora. She was made by Hephaestus from earth and water. She was dressed by Athena. She was showered in beauty by Aphrodite, and she was made cunning by Hermes. Now Zeus got his own back on Prometheus and the mortals. The Titan, as we know, had the gift of prophecy, and was the god of forethought. His brother, Epimetheus, was different. He was foolish, and was the god of afterthought. He didn't think things through before he did them. Prometheus had warned his brother never to accept a gift from Zeus, 
as it would only cause bad things. When Zeus gave Pandora to the silly Titan, though, he couldn't resist, and he married her. Unfortunately, Zeus had a nasty trick up his sleeve. Pandora carried with her a jar in which were stored all of the horrors, sorrows, diseases, and other bad things that man now has to cope with. When she opened the jar, they were released and spread out over the whole earth. Humans have never managed to free themselves from these bad things. The jar of troubles came to be known as Pandora's box. Once the troubles were released, the only thing left in the jar was hope. The mortals still had hope, even if they were suffering. Zeus had had enough of Prometheus helping the mortals by now, and he punished him. He chained the poor Titan to a cliff and sent a monstrous eagle, one of the children of Typhon and Echidna, to torment him. Every day the eagle would rip out Prometheus's liver and eat it. Every night the liver would grow back, so Prometheus had to suffer the same awful pain over and over again. His agony lasted a long time before one of the race of heroes was eventually allowed to release him. We will hear that story later in our journey through the myths of the Greeks. Next time we will meet Zeus's brother Poseidon and his three sisters Hestia, Hera and Demeter. We will also get to know a couple of the other Olympian gods. Until then, have a good week and I'll speak to you next time.